0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton.
1: Recently, a note in Barron's Magazine said that the stock price of Amazon could very well eclipse $1,000 per share at some point this summer. It currently sits at around $950, which represents a more than 400% increase in the last five years alone. But when you look at the company, they're preparing to be the largest retailer of clothing in the U.S. amongst all retailers, bricks and mortar or online. So what is that secret sauce that keeps Amazon growing while so many others are shuttering stores? We ask that of Barbara Kahn, Wharton Professor of Marketing and Director of the Baker Retailing Center. You also hear her as co-host of Marketing Matters every Wednesday, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time here on Sirius XM 111. She joins me in studio, and with us on the phone, Mark Cohen, Director of Retail Studies at Columbia University. Barbara, great to see you again.
2: Yeah, it's good to be here.
1: Thank you. Mark, great to have you with us.
3: Hi, Dan. Hi, Barbara.
2: Hello.
1: So you just spent some time out in the Seattle area and kind of trying to really figure out more about Amazon. Give us your takeaways.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you. In Seattle, the Amazon presence is everywhere, and people are either for them or very much against them. It's very black and white on Amazon, because Amazon really is planning on taking over the retail world. They've kind of expressed that as their mission. And they're out to take out traditional retailers and traditional brands. And their model is... The product is almost a commodity. They mm-hmm. can control those products. But what they're differentiating on is the retail experience and technology. So they take out all the pain points in shopping, and they, they lock you in. They make it, Amazon Prime is a perfect example. Once you yeah. get into Amazon Prime, the convenience and the ease of getting exactly what you need when you need it makes you very loyal to Amazon. And they're doing that in a lot of different ways, and you can see it in their – they have beta tests stores up there, the bookstores there, the grocery stores there, and you can see what they're doing in those stores. Very, very interesting.
1: And, and you were saying about the stores specifically with the bookstore, when you go into this, there's no prices.
2: Right. So the way the bookstore, it looks kind of like a normal bookstore, okay. except different. First of all, they're trying, the other thing that's really important, and you'll talk about it later, I'm sure, is the Amazon Echo. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to sell the Echo and the Kindle. So that's part of what's going on in the bookstore the sales of those technologies. And they're very, very important because if you get voice, if you own the voice activated uh, interface, then everything goes through the Amazon screen and they've locked you into their univ- into the un- their universe. So yeah. that's one thing. But what happens in the bookstores, the books in typical bookstores are shown spine first. In Amazon bookstores, they're shown as the face of the book is out so you can see the cover of the book right then you take your amazon app and you hold it up to the cover of the book and you'll see all sorts of information on your app about the book and in addition you will see your price
1: which is the key word there your price right
2: and the price differentiate It's different time of day when it you know when it's on it's also different as a function of whether you're a prime customer or not so they can control the price that way um, and so they have a lot of a lot of discretion now on pricing by the minute. You know, very uh, very unique pricing schemes. They can do whatever they want in price to kind of manage that that margin there.
1: So, Mark, this is I mean, this is I was going to ask both of you what the next big step is in this process, but seemingly this is one of them where they are truly understanding the data more and more every day to be able to have this kind of fluctuation when they need it.
3: Well, underneath the data, which they obviously have tremendous insight into, and they always have from the very beginning, they have an enormous universe of content, and with regard to apparel and accessories, they're really just getting started. Whether it's private label development, which may or may not be their ultimate end goal, or the acquisition of an ever-increasing portfolio of brands, which they're well on their way toward, Um, they have... They have enormous breadth of assortment. Uh, To Barbara's point, access is becoming increasingly uh, differentiated. Uh, The Echo um, is is another leap forward in terms of uh, binding customers to the Amazon platform. Yeah. Uh, And it's and it's a I I haven't uh, seen the latest um, iteration, which is a video version. Right. but I own the the, uh, the Echo, and it's a marvelously simple, beautifully crafted uh, device, which just works incredibly well for what it does at the moment.
1: Is this is this the next? I mean, we've talked in the past about Apple and about how Apple, with all of their devices, they try and keep you in that ecosystem. This is seemingly that next step beyond this that Amazon is really tackling. Well, I
2: mean, the thing is, is Amazon is competing with Google. If you look at search, I can't remember what the number is, something like if you're searching for a product, 50% of that search process is going to start on Amazon as opposed to Google. And that's where the commercial is. That's where the revenue is. And so if they lock you into their universe through Amazon X, or anything like that, you can imagine when you say, get me a coat, Amazon is going to go to Amazon pages for coats. So once they own that, and once with this new Echo, with the video camera, and they're collecting now much more data because you're taking pictures of the way the clothes fit you, what's in your closet, they know everything about you as you take all of those pictures. Mm. They can start recommending such personalized product that you'll never want to leave the Amazon universe.
1: Which is really interesting, Mark, because we've seen the the run in the last few years of these online retailers that are trying to do exactly that with like your clothing styles. I mean, it, you know, it's kind of become a niche industry over the last couple of years. Seemingly by able by being able to do that just specifically on the clothes alone, they're taking aim at those companies right. specifically to knock them out of the woods.
3: Well, I'm not, I'm not, sure whether... I don't know whether customers will sign up for this view that the device takes a picture of them and makes a suggestion as to what their outfit ought to be. But I will tell you, with with this extraordinary uh, level of content, which is something that Google has virtually none of, uh, they're providing a portal into the marketplace that just gets more and more inviting. They also, you know. uh, whether you're doing this through an Echo device or you're doing it online uh, with a smartphone or, or uh, a laptop or a desktop, um, the, 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 the watchword of Amazon continues to be extraordinary convenience.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, their,
3: their organization of presentation by way of their website is uh, you know, seemingly very simple, but it's actually brilliantly done. Uh, And then, of course, they operate on a a platform of pretty much everyday low price, whether it's price.
2: That's right. That's why the product is more like a commodity and it's everything else that's really the differentiator.
3: So they take out the cognitive dissonance that's increasingly infecting department store customers who shop and wonder whether today's the day they should buy something because, in fact, tomorrow or the next day they might see it in uh, their newspaper uh, at a lower price.
2: But here's what I think is really interesting about this Amazon Echo, and I do think that it's got legs, that it's you know the new version, because what people have said in traditional brick and mortar is clothing will never penetrate online in the same way others have, because people like to try on the product yeah. and touch and feel the product. And if this technology gets to the point, which they're definitely not at yet, but if it gets at the point where you can be customized, because they're collecting data so much for you that what you get is more and more to your liking. And you can imagine, eventually they get to virtual try-on, virtual dressing rooms and things like that, so you don't have to touch and feel the product because it's almost as if you are doing that online. Then you're completely locked in. And this was the thing, I mean, you can understand why Amazon could attack books because it's completely digitized or music or something like that. But you always thought there's going to be resistance to food and clothing because physical touch is so important in both of those elements. But Amazon has said they are out to own the clothing and food business. And if they own those and everything else that they can own, really they're going to change the face of retail.
1: You you were at, as you said, up in Seattle, and you saw one of the Amazon grocery stores, correct?
2: Right. It's in beta. Uh,
1: so so what was that experience like?
2: Well, first of all, they don't let people in who don't work for Amazon. So I had to stay yeah. outside the door and look in. But you could get the sense of it. And they're very strict. Amazon is a very closed environment. People there just don't reveal any secrets. It's like they've signed in blood, and Amazon is secret, secret, secret. So it's very hard to get information. But if you go to the grocery store, and apparently the technology is not working perfectly yet, but you can see what their aspiration is. Mm. You go in and you take your phone and you show it to some reader when you walk in, right. and then they know who you are. Then you walk around the grocery store, and to me it looked like a Panera or something. The store itself wasn't so exciting. It just looked like a food store or a grocery store. Maybe yeah. it had good product or not. I don't know. I couldn't go in. Right. But it just looked like a grocery store. But what differentiated it was the tech. That's what's going on. Yeah. So you go in with your phone, you take what you want, you put it in your basket, or you don't like it. You put it back on the shelf. Whatever you do, they're recording where you're walking, what you picked up, what you put back. And then when you leave, you don't go to a cash register, anything like that, you just leave. And then as you walk out, everything that you've purchased in that store is automatically put on your account. So there is no lines. There is no pain pressure. There's nothing to do except get what you want and leave. Couldn't be more convenient.
1: Mark, I I mean, this is... I hate to say it's revolutionary, but it truly is revolutionary in this industry. And, and I would think of a lot of the, the, the grocery chains, uh, if they can really make this work, they have to f- feel very concerned about this.
3: Well, I don't know. I, I on it, First of all, I don't know that Amazon's going to open 2,000 bookstores. I, uh, right. that, that's been Well, this is food, about.
2: but still. But, yeah.
3: I, but they, they definitely are using that as a tremendously powerful platform for their devices. I don't know that they're going to open 2,000 grocery stores. I think they may very well move into this space via technology um, because when you get right down to it, uh, the convenience notwithstanding and the appeal for convenience notwithstanding, the grocery business has miserably thin margins. And so even with big scale, which they would bring to the table, that's a challenge. We've seen that with Walmart and Target, for instance. But holding all that aside, I would be... I would not be surprised if the underlying technology they're working on in this and other beta sites is linked to the technology they're working on in their own fulfillment centers, which intends to um, uh, bring automation uh, up several levels beyond where anyone has gone. You know, the the drugstore chains in the Northeast, like CVS, have self-checkout. Uh, this
2: is way past self-checkout. Yeah, I know. The, the,
3: the, what I observe is it's awkward. It's confusing.
2: yes, and this is it's, not. That's the point. I know
3: that this is this is completely um, or nearly virtual.
2: Yeah, it's it's completely. It's not working perfectly yet, apparently. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, so it, we still you know have what? room.
3: <laughs> it, it, it will. They will. I agree. It, out. it they will. will figure it out. There's no reason why uh, autonomous and semi-autonomous automobiles are going to be held back. And there's no reason why this sort of, of a move on the part of Amazon is going to fail.
1: Well, the other interesting thing, and we're talking with Mark Cohen of uh, Columbia University and Barbara Kahn here of the Wharton uh, School, uh, Your and your comments are welcome at 844 wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. What's amazing, Mark, is that seemingly... Amazon is able to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. And there's an interesting story that I found earlier this morning about the fact that Amazon is employing robots so that they can prevent their rivals from tracking product price changes on their
2: site. They are so private. I mean,
1: it's amazing how they seemingly don't miss a trick, Mark.
3: Well, you know, the old saw is retail is detail, and they are uh, practicing that at an extraordinarily high level. Their customer service, their legacy customer service, in my opinion, continues to be outstanding. Um, they, they don't miss a trick. Uh, they're, they're, they're killing legacy retailers who basically have been dropping the ball for years on the basis of poor assortments, poor price strategy, terrible presentation. You know. I think customers will, would all will for the most part want to touch and feel and try things right but the experience in stores is so abhorrent to so many customers that you know they just assume not
2: and the ones that are working well, the ones that are competing against Amazon to your point, are the ones who have mastered that uh, in-store experience. Like, I would say Costco is doing pretty well, Nordstrom is doing pretty well, and part of the reason is their in-store experience is worth going to the store for. And that is the way I think traditional retailers are going to have to compete. By the way, one thing that you made this point about the margins on grocery, that's not where Amazon's making their money. Amazon's making their money in AWS, in the cloud service. Right. Um, right. So they don't have to compete on that. They can have very, very, sl- very, very yeah. slim margins because that's, they're creating a universe and the profitability is going to come somewhere else.
1: Well, web services, if memory serves me during their latest quarterly report, had like a $3.5 billion quarter, which is, you know, when you think of it, that's, that's insane to think about how much money they're bringing in from AWS right
3: now.
2: Right. And that's where their revenue is. So that's a totally different model of retail. You know, so, so- you know
3: years ago, they were criticized uh, constantly for the amount of money that they were redirecting toward uh, technology. What they were building was that Amazon Web Service platform. I know that in working with them years ago, they were, they were building that platform out for themselves, but quickly realized that it could be something they could um, um, offer up commercially and monetize in a powerful way. And now I think it's fair to say they are the biggest cloud service provider in the world. Yep. Shame on IBM. Shame on... It's
2: astonishing, uh, isn't it? You know, it it's it just is. amazing.
3: But, uh, but I will tell you, it, interestingly, you, you mentioned Costco. So, so Costco does very little business on the Internet. Right. Yeah. They, they just do a fabulous job in-store, and they do it the, the old-fashioned way. Um, uh, they do nothing but make money. They have among the most profitable uh, physical stores in the world. Uh, but I'll make another observation. I think that there's an enormous amount of green shoot activity going on with regard to apparel and accessories that that really stay. I
2: don't know what you mean by that green shoot.
3: Well, these are these are these are startups. Oh, okay. These are that's local, a
2: cute word I never. heard these, these,
3: these are local businesses that don't get a lot of. Uh, no, they don't have any notoriety. They don't get a lot of recognition. Um, they are small. Some of them will fail right out of hand, but, but I think an increasingly large number are beginning to succeed. They may never uh, become um, uh, large, but they're siphoning off an enormous amount of share. Right. And I think that uh, this is because in this age of technology and internet, the price of entry is, continues to be lower and lower and the, the customers willing to give these new businesses a, a shot. Uh, they're increasingly rejecting the legacy players. Ooh.
2: Well, that's what I was saying. You see in Seattle, so you see these people, the Amazon people, and then you see the other people, and a yeah. lot, you know. And it's kind of we're going to compete against Amazon, uh, and a lot of this com- competition is in you know these new startups, which green shoots, I guess, um, which are disruptors, and they're they're siphoning off a small part of the of the market and doing it very creatively, new yeah. models, and they're going, they're using technology to reduce. Cost.
1: And because of the fact uh, that that they are so successful with web services and the money that they're bringing in, they can afford to gamble in, in other areas. Like there was a story the other day about, you know, the, the fight that they're having with Walmart and uh, over shipping and the fact that the non-Prime members now for Amazon only have to spend $25 to get free shipping compared to I think it was 35 uh, you know, before since Walmart came down to 35. So, I mean, they can afford to That's do these right. things they do. because they make billions of dollars every Elsewhere, quarter on right. web services right. right now.
3: Well, they're also investing in uh, a fleet of 42 uh, jet freighters. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. they have in, in, uh, in, in markets in Northern California, their own fleet of delivery trucks. Uh, you know, this is an outfit that doesn't consider any boundaries as insurmountable. And
1: and they and they recently announced uh, that they were adding 30,000 jobs. You know, this year t- which fits right in with what we're seeing in this country in generally right now, companies announcing more jobs coming into the United States.
3: Well, I'd be careful there. Okay. Because the jobs that they're offering are are almost all entry level and right. at, yeah. at minimum wage and and they're also located in markets that don't um, work for people losing their jobs in traditional retail. You know these distribution centers are not near population centers. I want to throw one other thing out. Though, curiously, in the same twenty-four hours that Target raised their minimum threshold for free shipping, yeah, Amazon lowered it. So, yeah, so. Somebody in Minneapolis has probably got uh, egg all over their face.
1: Well, and and Target also is, now they're going to try and and perfect next-day delivery as well. So they're going to kind of beta test that uh, in Minneapolis over the next few months.
3: Well, I would say to Target, you ought to get your store app together, uh, which you really haven't done, before you start trying to take on uh, Walmart. 844-942-7866
1: is the number to give us a call. We're talking with Barbara Kahn, who's a professor of marketing here at the Wharton School, and also Mark Cohen, director of retail studies at Columbia University. 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get your phone, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Not only do they take out... You know, a, a lot of the, the the angst that the consumer feels, but it does feel like, and Barbara, I'll let you address this first, is, is their level of communication with the consumer is, is as good as anything.
2: Yeah, and that goes to their database. You know, they know who you are. They can personalize communication there. When you want something, they're there with what you need. So that yeah. kind of one-on-one communication is hard to match.
3: Mark? Well, they they also have access to virtually everything you might Think you need, or right, you exactly. might consider. You know, yeah, they have absolutely. something like five hundred and sixty million SKUs yeah. in their North American uh, uh, portfolio of products, which is which is staggering, frankly.
1: Well, the other piece to it is, I mean, don't they always say that you want to have trust from your retailers? Do I mean it? It, it feels like they have a great level of trust with all of the people that they deal with. it's amazing
2: to me when I talk to my undergrad students who are Amazon Prime, they just will not consider anything else. They are so loyal and trust Amazon so much. And they may not even be getting the lowest price on things. They no longer check price that much. They're not, ironically, even though Amazon can completely compete on price, people are not quite as price sensitive because they value the convenience and the trust so much.
1: Which that ends up helping Amazon on the back end because if they're charging a little bit of a higher price, Price, But they've got that trust. Right. The margin is higher.
2: Right. They can do it. I mean, it's a model. I'm, I'm looking at this model and it's frankly scary to me to look at tradition. And I agree. Maybe the startups and something unusual like Costco or maybe Nordstrom's can compete. But what do we think about these legacy traditional like Sears or Macy's yeah. or JCPenney, even Target? You know, and can Walmart and Jet dot com compete effectively against Amazon?
1: What's this going to mean, Mark? Though, for I mean, we've already seen what 14 bankruptcies announced in the retail sector this year. What does this mean? Going to I mean, or how many more could we potentially see this year?
3: The uh, the legacy uh, retail business is in terrible shape, and it it's in terrible shape at big players like Macy's who are not uh... in imminent danger of bankruptcy but frankly just don't have a strategy to go forward with um, th- th- this is this is breakage that's just starting to reveal itself yeah. i think the store closings are going to expand uh... the bankruptcies are going to continue to become apparent uh... consider that macy's doesn't have in my opinion a clue what to do with themselves JCPenney is in terrible trouble, although they seem to be doing better. They still have an enormous amount of debt. Sears is almost gone. Yes. Coles is stuck. Uh, Walmart is busy uh, throwing money at things like Jet and other businesses in some attempt to, you know, catch Amazon, which I think is a, a fool's game at this point on their part. And Target is stuck as well. So we're looking at this is incredible paradigm shift. That's really just getting started.
4: Yeah.
2: I think the next thing for Amazon is antitrust. <laughs> sure, yeah, it could
3: very well be. Yeah. Could very well be.
1: Let's go to the phones. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six is the number if you'd like to join in. We're talking about Amazon and the unbelievable success they continue to have. We go to uh, Geneva, Illinois. Jeff is on the line. Jeff, go ahead.
0: Hey, good morning, uh, or good afternoon, wherever you're at. <laughs> right. Um, I I am a small business owner. I have been for about 20 some odd years. And um, I find it I have to basically I have to have an open mind and be willing to change, um, sometimes drastically, sometimes not so much. My wife just retired from her career of 40 years. And, and she used to work in the corporate world, so there's a big difference there. But uh, to me, the big thing is, in order to compete with other people, you have to be a little bit different, but you have to be willing to take a risk, um, no matter what it is, and 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 go with change. Um, I, for instance, I I, I I'm a, wood, a small woodworker, but I'm also a photographer. But I've gone from doing uh, craft shows, not craft shows, but art fairs and art shows, yep. and really upscale shows, to doing stuff online, and it seems to be paying off. So. Um, You know, I'm kind of trying to take that Amazon kind of idea.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I agree. If you are not willing to change, you're going to lose in this market. And I I actually think you're touching on a point that's important for these legacy retailers. It's very hard for them to change because they have so much infrastructure and they're so big and they've had this established way of doing. It's hard for their people to change. It's hard for their systems to change. And and if they don't change, they're definitely going to pay the consequences. There's no question about that.
1: Jeff, thanks very much for the call. Let's go uh, to uh, Nate out in California. Nate, go ahead.
4: Hi. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say hi to Dr. Khan. I, I took her class when I was at <laughs> Wharton, and if, if not for her, I would never have known who Tory Burch was. I'll <laughs> tell you how un- <laughs> I am. Um, but no, here, here's, my, here's my comment. I recall one of the uh, people online Um, had said a while ago, well, Amazon's planning on hiring X thousand number of people. But whenever I hear that kind of statistic about Amazon specifically or companies like that, I wonder, well, okay, that's how many jobs they've created, but how many have they destroyed? And I'm not against Amazon. I think they're great. But I just think in terms of objectively saying, you know, are we adding net or losing net jobs to the economy? I think every time Amazon adds a worker, that might be two people in Brooks and Mortar stores for books or retail, who actually lost their jobs? So, what are your thoughts on
1: that? It's a very good point, uh, Mark. I'll let you start first.
3: Well, look, I think the um, the uh, retail um, the retail industry is shedding jobs far faster than e-commerce players like Amazon are adding them. I think I think this is a long-term trend that's going to continue to expand. It's going to become more and more crisis-like because many many retail workers are bound to the the vicinity in which they live they're not particularly mobile they don't have marketable skills and they and they, they more or less rely on the kind of flexibility that retail employment offers them you know malls are typically open seventy seven hours a week yep. So this gives them the opportunity to um, manage their personal lives around their employment i think there's going to be far more retail workers out of work than, for example, coal miners. Okay, um, uh, there's a crisis uh, in this country with regard to job training and job skills, and so nobody's addressing this. And the only blue skies that might be out there is if our politicians can figure out how to how to actually begin to work on infrastructure throughout the United States, because this could be alternative employment. But uh, this, this job loss issue is just beginning to gather momentum, and the news is really all negative. Barbara? Oh,
2: no, I agree. It's a scary situation.
1: Nate, thanks very much for the call. 844-942-7866 is the number if you'd like to join in. A couple more moments with Barbara Kahn uh, of the Wharton School and Mark Cohen uh, here of Columbia University. And, and I guess that, that is a, a, a massive issue, Mark, that, uh, that really needs to be focused on going forward about what this industry is going to look like overall as a whole five years down the road, ten years down the road uh, in comparison to wh- what we are seeing right now.
3: You know, there are about, uh, I guess, 13 or 1,400 malls in the United States. Uh, two to 300 of them are, are fully tenanted. They're super regionals. Their business is great. They're going to be fine. But the 1,100 that aren't fine are increasingly under pressure. They're losing their anchors. They're losing their specialty store uh, tenants. Um, they're, they're hiving off employees. Uh, I don't see any end in sight to this kind of trend. I guess some are being redeveloped as lifestyle centers, but that's only a handful. Yeah. Um, the fact is, the internet in in the aggregate continues to grow in double digits, while brick and mortar generally.
1: Oh, we just lost Mark. <laughs> oh, something <laughs> happened with Mark's phone. All right. Well, uh, one more call before we let you go. Brett is in uh, Brent. Excuse me. Is in San Francisco. Brent, go ahead.
4: Yeah. Hi. Um... The whole thing with Amazon that I find is why they're really what they are now is, for me personally, the retail experience is just really kind of poor. Because I go to a store, and and there's, for many reasons, they're not necessarily crowded. People have no social skills. There's a person (laughs) in the general public. They don't have enough people trying to get us out of the store. And then, most importantly, what I'm looking for, I could never find. Like It could be anything i I was like, oh, screw it. I'm just going to go to Amazon and get it. And it just and You know, I think you're putting money.
2: your finger on what Amazon's proposition is. It, that's what I said in the beginning. It's not about the product. Product is almost getting to be a commodity because they own everything and they can deliver. Yeah. But it is about the customer experience. And it's the convenience. It's looking for things, finding what you want, finding it conveniently, getting it, de- getting it delivered when you need it. And Amazon is yeah. amazing at that, whether it's online or in their new beta stores.
1: A great comment, Brent and Mark. I mean, and just to finish off with that, I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've recently gone into a Target or a Gap or, you know, you can run off the name of the of the retailer and the disinterest that the employees have <laughs> is, is massive at this point. I mean, it's like they, they're, they're a bunch of mummies, a bunch of, you know, walking around those stores.
2: Well, partly because, you know, you're going to walk around the store and then go home and buy it online and Amazon. Well, Why too, should yeah. they bother? That, that's
1: true. Mark?
3: Well, you know, I I occasionally um, uh, have have reason to call Amazon uh, to check something out or whatever. The the voice is always upbeat and cheerful. Uh, Too many of our legacy retailers um, are full of dispirited employees. The stores don't look crisp and clean, and they're not well merchandised. So the malaise that's sort of expanding is really frightening.
1: Great having you on the show, Mark. Thanks always for your time. Thank you. Thanks, Barbara. Great to see you as always. Thanks for coming in today.
2: Thank you. It was fun. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.